What if the Utah Jazz took all their cap space and went all in already this offseason? We're looking at it next on Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Today on Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, we're going to look at if the Jazz took all their cap money, how much could they get, and went all in. What would that actually look like? Why would that be a good idea? Is it a good idea? And what could they actually get done? Then you can decide whether it's a good idea. Plus, late game watching extraordinaire stuff with the two games yesterday, Celtics and the Sixers and the Suns and the Nuggets. I, as I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz Your first listen, we are free and available on all podcasting apps. There's also a great YouTube community you can join. Just subscribe, follow, hit the bell button on YouTube so you get notified whenever we do a podcast. Thanks so much. And a tip of the hat to the everydayers. So glad to have you aboard and a part of this group. Uh, Thanks for kind of driving the train. All right. uh, Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. So I made the comment earlier this year that I think if you were to guess 26, 36, or 46, that 26 to me actually seems like the most likely scenario for the Jazz this offseason. I've gotten a lot of kickback on that um, from people, and been told that's probably not as likely as as you would think. That the, maybe the other answer is that the Jazz actually go all in. They use their 30-plus million of cap space. We'll discuss that in a second. They give up their draft pick that's top 10 um, protected to Oklahoma City. They then have cleared their uh, requirements on draft picks, and they move on and, they, and can move forward. Uh... What is all-in? So all-in is that the Jazz currently have $30 million in cap space. If Taylor Horton Tucker opts out and he goes somewhere else, you have 41. If Jordan Clarkson opts out and goes somewhere else, then you can get up to about 40, maybe even $55 million worth of cap space. It's a lot. You don't have... Traylon Horton Tucker and Jordan Clarkson. You have three first-round draft picks, which cut away your cap room a little bit. And I'll be perfectly honest: Dan Clayton and his crew over at Salt City Hoops is better than me, better at me at this than I am. Um, and the new cap has me a little flustered right now. I don't quite get it. But the idea would be that you're actually going to go in and you're going to use your cap space. You're now functioning as an under-the-cap team. And if this collective bargaining agreement is the same as the past, if you're an under-the-cap team then you don't get mid-level exception. You, If you sign your own free agents, they count against the cap. Um, and there's really no way for the Jazz to actually not be an under-the-cap team this year with $30 million. So the first thing would be like, what does that get you? 
Well, it allows you to do two things. It allows you to go sign a free agent with your with the cap space that you can now far exceed the uh, the the cap uh, the mid level exception that most teams use to sign mid level free agents or 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 the such, and you actually can sign. You have much more money to sign. You can use your money to sign. The the second thing it allows you to do is to trade players into that space. Um, now, you. You somebody else who's over. You're gonna have to. You're gonna be taking in thirty to fifty, sending back fifteen. They get a big trade exception. Okay, so those are the two ways you could acquire players with cap space: is either free agency signing someone in that space, or two that you are going to be able to do that. You're going to be able to trade into that space. So why would the Jazz go all in now? The answer would be. One, that you do you have your draft pick that's going to Oklahoma City. It's top 10 protected. And if you think Walker Kessel and Lowry Markinen are actually pretty good already and enough so that you're going to be such a good team that you're going to end up losing your pick at 12 or 13 anyway, you might as well go all in. The, the second thing in regards to acquiring talent is starting in 2025. So that's two years draft from now you're beginning to get Cleveland and Minnesota's players as well as your own pick, and you're starting to compile and build and get more picks um, than you want. Then, and, that's, and that will be your pick slash by which you're acquiring players. Um, so I'm not... There's, we can have another discussion whether this is a good idea or not. I'm just trying to present this concept um, for, for everyone because this is one of the options. The interesting thing about going all in now would be what you really are deciding you're going to do is you have Lowry Markkinen, you have Walker Kessler, who are who are both you know really good. Let's not get overly excited on Walker in the sense of like he's still super young. I do think he's really good. He does he does a lot of things well. Um, I, what I think is, but I think he, you have established a center position. You know that he can give you, you should be able to build a defense or, to start around him. And that gives you, and then you have Lowry. And so now you're going to build around those two. And then you will have, let's say you use two of your first round draft picks. You will have three other young players in Ochai Abaji and two first round draft picks this year, nine and 16. And you'll, those players will be a part of your mix, but their time might get limited because you're really trying to win. So you have to be all right with that. That's part of all in. The second reason you would go all in now is you have a small window by which Lowry Marketing's extension is not kicked in. Walker Kessler's still on a rookie deal. Markkinen is making, I think he'll be making $18 million at the end of his deal. When you sign him to his next deal, he's going to be making forty or fifty. And so you have a window by which your two best players are underpaid and you can spend more money on other players without getting to the tax while you're in that window. And the third thing would be, and I don't know if you can do this, but if you could actually time this out in a fashion so that you suddenly acquire a bunch of players who have two years left on their deal, would be the thought. 
that you start in this two-year window, three-year window, Lowry's contract, when Lowry, before Lowry's contract kind of turns, and before you have to pay, begin to start paying your, your plethora of rookies. If you do, if you can do that, then you actually have this window by which you have a, a two or three year window where you can fill in with players and you can try to win before these other players kick in with their money. It's kind of, a, it's a unique little window. And the only negative impact on that is I just think it means that your young players play less by definition. And what I and the reason why I say by definition, even talking about Walker, I'm a little tentative. If we just look at the weekend, okay? Denver played Phoenix last night. Christian Brown played eight minutes. Then I don't think another guy in Denver played with less than seven years experience. Phoenix, despite a multitude of injuries, Jock Landell is the youngest player playing for them. He played professionally for many years. Then the next youngest player's probably got five or six years of experience. In the Boston-Philly game, Tyrese Maxey was in his fourth or fifth year as the youngest player that played for them. And in for Boston, Grant probably Grant Williams in his third or fourth year as the youngest player who's playing for them. You're just, in the Golden State Lakers, Moses Moody in his third year got 20 minutes. And the Lakers are playing Lonnie Walker and Austin, Austin Reeves is like the stunner in this group in his second year who's getting time. Um, so, and in Miami, New York, I don't, you have some Gabe Vincent and that's, so you just don't, you got my point. Young players don't play. Young players don't win. So that's, that's why you would go all in. You have this weird time period where the contract of Lowry marketing is a four year, $67 million deal in which Markkinen's making 17.2 this year, 18 the year after, and by 2025, 26, you're paying him a ton. Oach, Walker Kessler, you're paying 2 million, 3 million, then 5 million, and then probably in the realm of, well, he's restricted free agent, so it's as limited as 15, but probably a lot more. Ochai is the same thing. So you have this two-year window by which you're not paying your best players and maybe you can fill in. So who in this year's market are those players that you might be able to play with for two years and suddenly acquire and and see if you can build something around? We'll, we'll discuss that. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. The Chevy truck, there's just nothing better there's nothing that signifies Americana more. There's nothing that signifies uh, Utah more than the Murdochs. 80 plus years. That combination, the Americana of Chevy, the consistency and the loyalty of the Murdochs to Utah, that's the combination that drives Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. And the Chevy trucks, the Silverado and the Colorado, unprecedented. We, I don't need to tell you much about Chevy trucks. The name speaks for itself. The SUV lineup is underrated with the Tahoe and the Suburban and the King Poobahs at the top with working the tracks all the way down uh, to the Blazer and the Blazer uh, and the Trailblazer. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai. It's all at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. If you're going to stop by, free, e- free, please email me first at DLock09 so that we can give you 
your VIP experience. Today's show is brought to you by Price Picks. 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. Price Picks is easy to play, fun fantasy game for you. Pick two to six players, choose whether they go over or under. You're not playing against anyone else, you're not playing against computers, you're playing against the numbers that are out there and you choose them. Safe and fast and easy withdrawals. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. So do it now. Download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks gives you $100. $72.50, $72.50. 50 50 You got it. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. It's every sport imaginable. It's fun. It's easy. It's no competing against other people. It just adds a little pizzazz to the night. So if Steph Curry's going to get 24 or more, you decide tonight all at Prize Picks. Promo code locked on. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. We'll kind of look at all week long, try to take a look at these kind of issues tomorrow. Can the Jazz do something to extend Lowry marketing? What about Taylor Horton Tucker or Jordan Clarkson? Should the Jazz be looking at extensions for them? Is it a market where they can get extensions done and what's the impact of that? So let's look at first the free agents. If you look at the biggest names and players available and free agents... Chris Middleton is probably the highest named available best player in free agency, uh, at least the highest paid last year at nearly, he has a $40 million player option. So if he opts out, he's expecting to get over $40 million or at least extended out two or three years. So suddenly your 32-year-old Chris Middleton probably longer, like if we're trying to play in what I would call this two-year window before you're extending marketing, maybe you're willing to play a third year in there. You're probably paying Mark, you're playing Chris Middleton probably three years, 120 million using 30, depending if Clarkson is coming back or not. Um, If Clarkson's coming back for anything more than 14, you don't have more, you don't have enough cap space. So if Clarkson's coming back at, 18 or 19, you've now dug into your your cap space. Taylor Horton Tucker's not coming back. Maybe you have enough. uh, You don't quite probably have enough to get to 40. You're going to have to try to maneuver some things. Does Kelly Olenek come back? Uh, Some things that you don't really control a lot of these. So that's Chris Middleton, 32 years old, in the chat room in YouTube right now. Yes, is that would you be excited with a team that's relatively point guardless? Maybe you got Jordan Clarkson back, Chris Middleton, Lowry Markin, and Walker Kessler as your starting five. Colin Sexton is your sixth man off the bench. Probably no Taylor Horton Tucker. Probably no Kelly Olenek at that point. Is that all in? Get it done for you uh, for the Jazz. Crips Staps Perzingis would be a wild card here. He's coming off a really good year, so you're not getting a discount. He's at $36 million. He is only 28 years old. You're suddenly going with a Przingis. Uh, by the way, Kelly Olynyk's opt-in date is prior to free agency, so you'd have to know you can sign these players before free agency. It does usually work that way that you do know, but that's just worth noting. Um, Kristaps Przingis, $36 million player option. He'd be opting out, so he's probably expecting a three-year, 120 
million, four year, $160 million deal, taking him to 32. Don't know what Washington's doing with that. Washington's in a little bit of a bind. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, your front line would be Markinen, Przingis, Kessler. If you're able to hold on to Jordan, you're doing the same thing. Saxton off the bench. No Taylor Orton Tucker. No Kelly Olynyk. Do you like? Chat room. These are all in moves. This is using your cap space. The thing you have to be really careful of is when you suddenly don't use your cap space on something big like this and you feel an urgency to use it because there is a real value to having player salaries on your books that you can then move for other pieces. You end up signing like four below average or average players and it just becomes a quagmire. Fred Van Vliet would be the next one. I would, I'm not putting James Harden on the list. Um, Fred Van Vliet, the diminutive point guard out of Toronto. Undrafted, done amazing things. I believe he made about 21 this last year. He's a free agent. You would probably be signing him upwards in the four-year $120 million level, I would guess. Doesn't quite fit that timeline, but it gives you a point guard. You're now Van Vliet. Can you keep Clarkson? Markinen? Question mark. Kessler. Saxton off the bench. Does that that move your meter? Portland is going to do everything it possibly can to keep Jeremy Grant. But Jeremy Grant's a nice player who is going to be highly sought after. He's a six-foot whatever wing. Uh, Those guys are hard to find. They don't grow on trees. He's 29 years old. This is his big payday. I think he's going to get every ounce of everything he can. If Portland does not re-sign him, it's a huge pivot on their part. Um, So I think he would be hard to get, which means you would have to pay him a number that is significant enough that Portland has to back out of the circumstance. He might be as expensive as Chris Middleton or Chris Dapps-Brazingas in this market. This is... These, some of these projections is, are not my forte, but um, we're, I think we're playing conceptual stuff. You have an idea of what's what's right or what's wrong here. Jeremy Grant, I'll bet, is in the chat room, is moving your all your meters a little bit more, exciting you more than, than other possibilities. Um, the, and it's interesting. Now you're... You know, but if I don't know, again, Jordan's awfully hard to keep on these circumstances. You're point guardless, and you're, let's say you do keep Jordan, kind of the ideal circumstance, not totally sure that's possible. Um, and Grant, and Markinen, and Kessler. I'll bet you guys are thinking that one works. It's interesting. It's got some possibilities. That's That's probably being all in. If you do that, the next question gets to be how many of your other assets are you willing to use and move to go solve the gaps in your roster? Because that's not a top four. That team doesn't play right now. No point guard. Jordan Clarkson. Jeremy Grant. Lowry Markinen. Walker Kessler wins a lot of games. Does a lot of interesting things. Probably a pretty good team. Could be pretty good offensively with what Will did last year with his teams. 
with Lowry's efficiency, Walker's efficiency, Grant's pretty, like you could be good. You've got other weaknesses. You don't, because you manage as an under cap team, you don't have a lot of ways to go get them. You would, your bench would be Sexton, Abaji, and your two draft picks. You'd have to have some veterans, right? And you probably have to trade maybe one of those draft picks or at least a future draft pick to go try to fill your gap of who you're going to get. And I, you know, what point guard is there out there that you're suddenly able to go get in some, you know, manner that someone's going to make available, um, that someone needs to get off of. The other choice is trading for players. There's probably six players that come to mind that might be available from trades. I'll give you those six as we continue here, plus a late game watch and our lottery as we continue on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Great conversation going on in the YouTube chat room. Thanks to all the everydayers that are in there. We'll continue week-long programming this week for you, checking out the various kind of cap options, roster building, as well as looking at some draft picks uh, throughout the week. If the Jazz were to try to make an all-in trade, so now you're giving up assets, you're using your cap space to go acquire a player, the players that come to mind, again, no, you know, there's, some of these are hard to get done, no promise, like, I think you guys got it. Let's start with the Washington Wizards' Bradley Beal. Washington seems to me to still be at a little bit of a crossroads as a franchise. They have Chris Tapps as a free agent. They didn't make the playoffs. Not sure if they're rolling this back. Kyle Kuzma's a free agent. You have Bradley Beal sitting at a five-year, $251 million contract. You would think at some point they're willing to get off Bradley Beal's contract. The question is going to be whether or not they believe getting off Bradley Beal's contract has value or whether they're going to want a litany of draft picks. I personally think if you're willing to take 46.7, 50, 54, and 57 over the next four years, you shouldn't have to give up any assets at all. But the Jazz would have to decide. In our little thing we talked about, it would be that you have a two-year window by which before you're paying your place, you would be paying Bradley Beal at 33, 53.6, and 57. I... Bradley Beal has been at times the best shooting guard in the NBA and at other times just, and maybe it's the contract that has soured me, but just cannot, do not feel as though that there's a commitment of like the level of like, and maybe it's because we haven't seen him do it long. Maybe this is all unfair, but is there like a championship level player there who's played 57, 60 and 50 games the last four seasons? And when he's 25, he led the league in minutes played at 37 he averaged 26 points a game. And then it just, he had back-to-back years of averaging 30. And then last year, just weirdness, only took four threes a game. Played much more in the mid-range. Just some strange evolutions to his game. And that is a massive number. Everyone's favorite in Utah, Damian Lillard. Is Portland pivoting at some point? Lillard's putting the heat on him. I'm not here for a rebuild. 
Do they lose Jeremy Grant in free agency? Are they suddenly short guys? Are they suddenly in an Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp rebuild? 48 million, 45 next year, 48. It doesn't end there. 58 and 63 in the next two years. This is another player that does not fit in the idea that you're putting in for two years, then you pay marketing, then you're paying Kessler in three, you're paying Abaji in three, you're paying the next the next year. Maybe it's a three-year window. You go for it with whatever group you build right now. Not sure whether you, where you are on that. Trey Young. Trey Young in Atlanta has been criticized and ridiculed and blamed and become the one whose fault it is. And on the other end, he's the one who scores and he's the one who carries them. And his defense is supposedly terrible. And he's 25. Now this is not like you're playing for a two year window. This is your building your pieces for the future. And you are now a Trey young Lowry market and Walker Kessler threesome with developing your picks along the way. And filling in gaps. And they're going to want a lot of your cachet of picks if you're doing Trey Young. It's interesting. Trey Young has all sorts of flaws. No one without flaws is going to be made available for you. But Trey Young is a 30-point-a-game scorer in a league where offense matters. The teams that are going to be left here are all the best offensive teams. The In a league in which maybe Walker Kessler can cover up Trey's defensive weaknesses, you then have your point guard. You have Ochai Abaji as your two, maybe a developing shooting guard that plays next to him. You have Sexton as your scorer off the bench. You have... Lowry Markkinen, Walker Kessler. You try to find some other defensive wings around it that you can cover that up. Atlanta is going to rebuild this roster. Would you, would Trey, Trey Young is not a two-year window piece. This is actually, you're going to acquire one of those pieces. Chat room discuss on YouTube. Twitter Hit, hit me on Twitter at DLock09 and discuss. Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns. 36 next year, 50 the year after, 54 the year after that, 58 the year after that, and a player option for 62 five years down the road. You're a pretty incredible offensive team in a league where offense wins. Cat. Playing your four, you're playing Cat and Kessler with marketing. Your three seven footers, you're slow. Two of them can shoot threes at the highest level. One of them's the best three point shooter in the league in a lot of ways. And Carl Anthony Towns. You're splitting your non Walker Kessler minutes between marketing and Towns at center. And you, those are your three main pieces. And you're going to try to find some guards somewhere along the way. And the other one I'll throw out there is a wild card. If Denver loses. They've got to shake this thing up. They're going to want players for this. But I wonder if they would get off Michael Porter Jr. at 25 years old with all of his back injuries, 33, 35, 38, 40, three back surgeries, 25 years old. But can really play it. 
So those are some of the thoughts I have. If the Jazz were to go all in with their somewhere between 30 and $55 million of cap space, how many assets would you be willing to part? How far are you willing to go? What's the window? Or are you better off slow playing this and letting the market dictate when somebody massive becomes available? All right, late game watch. I have a ton of stuff I really want to get into, but let's get into it. So in Boston, Philly, I thought I thought Joe Missoula had a really rough day. So in overtime, they were going at Brogdon and Horford in all actions, and he finally brings in Derek White, which I thought he was a little late to do. Um, the other one I just thought is at 211 left in overtime, there's a Smith Horford pick and roll. And like, there just should never be a smart Horford pick and roll. There should never be a smart Horford pick and roll when you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the floor. There's 211 left in overtime. Every play should be Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Turns into a turn. I, I just don't know why that would be run. They're running about 14 seconds off the clock on a bunch of plays in overtime to get to run picks and get matchups. And more often than not, they're ending up in a worse matchup that they started. Like Tobias Harris is who Boston was shooting after in most circumstances. And Harris starts on Tatum on a possession. They run a bunch of things. Then by the end, P.J. Tucker's on him. Like run your actions, which don't have any intention of scoring or just trying to get matchups to get the right matchups. On the final plane, I'm fine with not calling a timeout if you have the right personnel on the floor. But Malcolm Brogdon's a 44% three-point shooter in the regular season, a 50% three-point shooter in the playoffs. He is not on the floor in the final possession. You've got to call timeout and either take Marcus Smart or, or Derek White off the floor and put Malcolm Brogdon on the floor. I would suggest taking Marcus Smart off the floor because you're going to run the ball through Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, so you don't need Marcus Smart's ball handling. But I'm all for the non-timeout if you have the right guys on the floor, but Boston didn't have the right guys on the floor. And then the other one, frankly, is on the final play, it starts with 17.9. They're down one. They don't run an action till five seconds or less. So they go 13 seconds to get themselves situated. You shouldn't be playing for the last shot. You're down one. You need enough time for an offensive rebound anyway. And... Brogdon should have been on the floor. You should have been coming out of a timeout to get an action. They failed. Now, out of a timeout, he likes to run those ISO things we talked about earlier last week, and he failed. they failed on both of those. So I can kind of get where suddenly they're going somewhere else, but they failed on both of these two. The other one is like you have Tatum guarded by Harris on that play. You bring up a pick which slows things down and brings a double to the ball. I really thought Boston had a terrible overtime from a coaching X's and O's standpoint. Hey, who am I to say? But I've also watched them all year. I have a little bit of an idea of what they're trying to do late in games. And and I just explained to you why I think that. Like, So I'm not making this up. Oh, they were terrible. Like, There's things that just didn't vibe on how they were doing it. Um, And then also, why was Marcus Smart guarding Joel Embiid on the inbound? It's a beautiful play that Philly went for three. When you're down two and the shot clock's late or off, you should shoot a three, particularly when Embiid's played 46 minutes and you don't want to play overtime. You you have a better chance to win if you shoot the three. But why is Marcus Smart guarding Joel Embiid on the inbound? Al Horford was just hovering on P.J. Tucker, but 
I kind of want Al Horford guarding Joel Embiid, and then if I'm going to have someone hover, I, okay, I got the idea, I like that, but I maybe I do Marcus Smart on P.J. Tucker. Philadelphia's floor spacing is just horrendous right now when they run their Harden and Bead stuff. They got guys standing shoulder to shoulder in the corners and not lifted. It's really weird. Um, I, I will say this. I'm a little confused, and I think Boston's doing something to take this away. Philadelphia's go-to play late in the year was James Harden low right into a left-handed dribble to the middle off a 15-foot pick and roll with Joel Embiid, and then he would get to the middle, and Bead would then either pop to about 17 feet, mid-roll where he's really dangerous, or roll all the way to the basket and Harden would hit him. They haven't run that once in this entire playoffs, or at least that I've seen late. And I'm wondering, Boston must be doing something to take that away because that was Philly's best play late in games this year. And I don't know why that's, why they're running every, Philly's running everything so high right now. Um, uh, Boston ran a neat play with a one minute left in regulation was a high horns where Smart, uh, Brown had the ball. Smart and Tatum were at the at the elevated kind of elbows. Brogdon and Horford were in the corners, so good shooters. And they actually got a foul on P.J. Tucker and never went back to that set, which I thought was weird. One minute left, go-to set. They never went back to it at any point. Um, definitely Philly was shooting after Brogdon, so you had to get Derek White in the game. I, I got that. Uh, but in that final play, um, what other notes do I have here? Um, the other one, they seem to be switching Maxi onto Tatum was one of the things they were trying to get to when they already had Tobias Harris on Tatum. I, I'm not sure that I'm running a bunch of action to make, to get that switch. Like that's, Seems to, unless someone's got some numbers that are different than what I know, that seems immaterial and just working time. Uh, one of the key plays of the game, by the way, on the Marcus Smart, might have been end of regulation, Jalen Brown doesn't say stay spaced. And Tatum drives and Brown comes in and takes away a passing lane for Tatum. And really, it's the end of regulation and hurts if he'd stayed spaced, he either gets the ball for a shot to win it or it allows Tatum to do something. But Jalen Brown did not stay spaced um, on that play. Um, all right, so those are my thoughts on that game. Phoenix-Denver. I'm now late. Um, Phoenix, I said this earlier this, on, on this late game, that Phoenix had a huge Chris Paul problem. Phoenix has solved its Chris Paul problem. Its Chris Paul problem was that Chris Paul needed to have the ball in his hands. The best play to run with Chris Paul is a DeAndre Ayton pick and roll. Otherwise, Devin Booker or Kevin Durant, they just switch it. So you're caught running DeAndre or Ayton, Chris Paul pick and rolls in the middle of the floor with Chris Paul not wanting to shoot, with teams face guarding Durant and Booker. And if you're the opponent, you love this because Booker and Durant aren't touching the ball. Now that problem is solved because Chris Paul's not playing. They Phoenix, I love this. Monty Williams ran two plays late. He ran a Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, open side pick and roll. I mean, there's nobody in the corner. It's just those two guys playing. It can run into an ISO. It can run into a pick and roll. It can run into a drive. He ran that a ton. Um, and they ran it beautifully. And then the second play they ran was Devin Booker coming off a double stagger of Durant and Ayton. Ayton rolls. 
He actually tries to hook to create open three for TJ Ward on the far side, but got actually an easy layup out of it. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is not the greatest defensive player, and so he doesn't rotate on one of them to Kevin Durant for an open three when Gordon came to help the drive by Booker. And then it's just a beautiful, those are the two plays they're running, and you couldn't be running those if Chris Paul were in the game. Um, Michael Porter Jr.'s pull-up three at 121-116 with 2.41 left was not a good shot. Um, And interesting, with 41 seconds left in the, Malone ran the exact same action he ran to get uh, successfully and got a foul on Aiton out of a timeout um, where he brings a guy across the floor and, and Jokic gets it on a curl, but Jokic gets stood up and then that's where Jokic turns it over and the game really ends. Um, on that final play. But that's the exact same play that Malone ran. That's his go-to out-of-timeout play. All right, that is... Let's do our quick lottery. Wow, the show got really long today. Here we go. We're at 9. We're at 16. We're going to hold at 16. We're at 28. We're going to hold at 28. We have 1 in 5 chance. We didn't have any luck last week. The draft is Dallas gets the number 1 pick of the NBA draft. That would suck. Portland gets number 2. Oh my God, this is disastrous. Three, Washington. Four, Detroit tanks for fourth. Houston tanks for fifth. San Antonio tanks for sixth. Charlotte tanks for seventh. Ouch. Orlando, eight. Indiana, nine. Utah, ten. This is the worst lottery I've seen yet. Dallas, Portland, Washington. Utah's at ten. Chicago, Oklahoma City, Toronto, New Orleans. Well, that's a depressing end of the show. Glad we got out of the way. It doesn't happen in real life. Have a great one. Talk to you tomorrow.